It's been so much uh, of a joy for me to present uh, God in your flesh, and we're continuing on. And each one of these messages, it has its own truths and doctrines and powerful uh, things that you need, each individual sermon. But uh, you may not even notice it, but if you're really listening and digesting every one of these messages and the book, what you're getting is a foundational knowledge and understanding of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the need for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, its purpose and, and how that the Holy Spirit as a person lives in and through you and upon you. Glory to God. And so I want to continue today, and I'm going to be talking about Jesus, God in the flesh. Now, the title of the book is God in Your Flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. And the reason I want to talk about Jesus is because He is our example. He is the one we follow. He is the, the beginning, the first fruits. And, and we are the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, it is our job to look at the life of Jesus and display what he did. Now, you're not God and I'm not God, but God moves through us. That's the power of the church. That's the power of God's children in the world is that of all the things that God could use to move his spirit in the world, he chose to use you and me. And we learned that last week. We are earthen vessels that carry an excellent treasure. And so Jesus is the first example of someone who is baptized in the Holy Spirit, immersed in the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you today about that. Praise His wonderful name. I'm going to start in John chapter 1. It says in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now this is talking about Jesus. There's so much in this one scripture that I don't have time to go over and, and I don't have time to go into the depths of who Jesus is. So I'm going to touch on that and really focus on his life uh, as someone filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but, but notice this, the Word became flesh. The Bible is the Word. The Word became flesh. The, the Bible is the expression of God, God expressing himself in a language that we could understand. And Jesus became God in the flesh. The word became flesh. When Jesus came and lived on the earth, he was living the perfect expression of God in the form of a human being, fully human and fully God at the same time. What an amazing thing. When we look at the life of Jesus, what we're seeing is the Bible being played out to perfection. The Bible being lived out to perfection. The will of God being lived out to perfection in the life of Jesus. When the Bible says the Word became flesh, it means that Jesus was the perfect expression of the Word of God. He is the Word of God. And it says He dwelt among us. That's so important because God is not just up there. He's here. He's here with us. He's with us now. And this is really important. And we saw His glory. Oh, now we're going to come back to that. I want you to remember that because when Jesus came, the word became flesh and we saw him. We saw him. We didn't just read about him. We didn't have an imagination about him. We didn't just hear stories about him. No, we saw him. People saw, they looked at Jesus 
Christ. Now let me read another scripture for you today in 1 Timothy 3.16. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He, speaking of Jesus, who was revealed in the flesh. God was revealed in the flesh. What does reveal mean? It, mean? it means you didn't know, but now you do. You were blinded to it, but now it's clear. It was dark, but now it's light. Jesus was revealed in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, bless his wonderful name. Bless his wonderful name. Now, this is so important because when we discover the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus while he was on earth, it helps us see the life of the Holy Spirit in our own lives as we live here on earth. Jesus is the revelation of God to mankind. Jesus is the revelation of God to mankind. Do you remember that we learned in the past that in John chapter 3 that those who are spiritually dead, they don't relate to spiritual things. They can't see the kingdom of God. And so part of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to is to is for God to use flesh, to use humans, to use earthly natural things to display the truth and the light of God. And there's no greater example of that than the life of Jesus. Jesus Christ in the flesh is something they could look at and see. They could see God in the way he spoke and the way he acted and the things he did and the mannerisms he had and the very life that he lived, he was expressing in a physical form God to them. Oh, glory to God. Now that's important because you're not Jesus in the sense that you're not divine, but you are the body of Christ. What does that mean? You know, when we go back to the earthen vessel part of uh, scripture and we remember that the way God reaches people here on earth, the way that he shows himself to people is through conviction, spiritual awakening, and uh, people who once couldn't see, it's like the light is turned on and now they can see truth. And there has to be an ignition for that. And Jesus Christ was the first physical ignition. He was the first one that people could look at and conviction would come over them. And uh, then they would see the truth. And as we read the stories in scripture, there's so many people intrigued by Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said, I'm going away but I'm going to send the spirit to live in you. So now we become the body of Christ. What does that mean? Before Jesus' physical body was the physical uh, vessel through which the spirit flowed in the world. But when Jesus went physically to heaven, the Holy Spirit came, came to live in us, the church. And Paul said it this way, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular of it. You and I are the body of Christ. Now, what does that mean? That means that we, we are the physical vessels through which the Spirit flows in the world. You are the body of Christ. You are the physical chosen vessel through which the Spirit of the living God flows into your world. And you need to own that. Yes, you need to own that. There is an excellent treasure in you, even though you and I are just earthen vessels. Glory be to God. So as we see how Christ lived, how the Holy Spirit affected his life, 
that should reflect upon us and how we live our lives. If we're going to be reflections of God in the world, if we're going to be the physical representation of who God is and what He can do, then we'd better know how Jesus uh, lived with the Holy Spirit and try to live that way ourselves. Glory be to His name. Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at the life of Jesus. A couple of very important uh, aspects of the life of Jesus. We uh, read about in Mary, Jesus' mother, uh, that the Holy Spirit came upon her. Now, she was a virgin. She'd never been with a man. So how do you get pregnant? Well, the Holy Spirit came upon her. Now, the word upon is important. The original language is epi. You remember that? We talked about the word epi. It's not just the Spirit within you. It's the Spirit upon you. The Spirit came upon the flesh of Mary, upon the womb of Mary, and produced uh, the baby Jesus. That's an amazing thing. Uh, keep that in your mind. Epi, it's upon. The Holy Spirit is not just in you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when He comes upon you. Glory be to His name. <clears throat> uh, we also see in Jesus' baptism. Now watch this. This is just amazing. You remember, uh, Jesus went down. John the Baptist baptized Him, put Him under the water, and brought Him out of the water. And the Bible says in uh, Luke 3.22, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Oh, this is just, this is big time here. Watch this. Watch this. The, the, Jesus is baptized. First of all, he's immersed. He's baptized in water, which is a representation of what uh, a, the transformation is. He's, he's put under the water and completely soaked in the water. And not only that, but when the Spirit comes upon him, he's immersed in the Spirit as well. Now, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, he doesn't come over a part of you. He didn't come over your arm or your eyes or just your mind or just your mouth. No, he wants to come over all of you, completely soak you in his power for his purpose. Glory to God. Now watch this. The Spirit descended upon him. Now, I know what some of us are thinking, and this kind of blows our mind, because Jesus is the Son of God. He's well aware that He's the Son of God. I mean, there, there are times, you remember, He's teaching in the temple, and he, His mother's looking for Him, and He says, didn't you know that I must be about my Father's business? I mean, He knows He's the Son of God, and, and He's very well aware of His life. He knows, and, and so being the Son of God, why does He need the Holy Spirit to come upon Him? Well, I would give you two things. Number one, there's no competition between the Spirit and the Son. Remember, the Trinity are one, Father, Spirit, Son. They are one together and united with each other. So it wasn't that Jesus was weak and needed the Holy Spirit uh, upon him necessarily. And two, Jesus is being our example. He certainly didn't need to be baptized as a symbol of his salvation because he didn't need to be saved. And so I believe this is very much an example for us to follow. He's showing us uh, what we must do to fulfill righteousness in our lives, for us to do what God wants us to do. And the Spirit descends upon him in bodily form. I like that. What does bodily make you think of? It makes you think of earthly, something you could see, people could look at. Now, if the Spirit just descended upon him in the spirit realm, no one there would have saw it. But the Spirit descended upon him 
in bodily form, in the form of a dove, so that people could see it. Now, that's a reflection of what the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life. He's going to move through your body in such a way that people will see God in you. They won't see you and think you're God. They will see you. They will know you're a knucklehead and and don't always do what you should. They will know you're just human, but they will see that God is at work in your life. Glory be to God. So here we see Jesus. The Spirit descends. Not just He's not just living in Him. He descends upon Him. The word in the original language, epi upon him on the surface of his in the flesh of his life now this did something amazing in jesus life this is the beginning of the public ministry of jesus christ here he is at the age 30 he is he goes to the jordan he gets baptized the spirit comes upon him as a representation of the baptism and the holy spirit and what happens he immediately goes into public ministry glory be to the name of the lord now now watch this Uh, If you read in Luke chapter 3, when Jesus is baptized and the Spirit comes upon him, what you'll find is in the very uh, next part of that, Jesus is taken into the wilderness and uh, tempted by the devil. You remember those scriptures? He's, He's driven by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit now upon him is now pushing him, driving him, telling him where to go. And we're going to learn more about that in a little bit. Uh, And so now he goes into the wilderness to be tempted. And let me just throw this out there to you. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and he comes upon your flesh and and power exists in you for the purpose of God in your life, the first thing that's going to happen to you is the devil is going to come at you. He is going to attack you. And uh, what you need to do is just don't let him win. Don't give in to the lie of the enemy. And just continue to believe and trust in the Word of God. And and when Jesus left temptation, He was more powerful, more confident than ever. And I believe you can be too. When you go through that temptation and you go through that struggle, yes, you are going to come out on top. You're going to be more prepared than ever. Glory be to the God. You're You're going to be more confident than ever that the Holy Spirit is upon you. Glory to God. Man, I hope you're getting this stuff. This is good. So we see Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He's immediately uh, uh, tempted by the devil. His public ministry begins. He walks into the temple, Luke chapter 4, and I love this. Uh, Watch this. You guys have heard the scripture before, but but watch this in relation to what previously happened. This is chapter 4 of Luke. Chapter 3, he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes upon him. Chapter 4, watch this. He walks into the temple, opens the scroll, and reads this out of the Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment and notice that simple sentence about the life of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord, talking about the Holy Spirit. What what about the Holy Spirit? He is upon. He is epi. 
He is upon me, Jesus Christ. He walks into the temple and what does he read? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do you sense the trumpets being blown in heaven, the, the, the ecstatic expectancy they've been waiting for this day. They've been watching from heaven as Jesus is born and he grows in wisdom and stature and he's becoming who he's supposed to be. And, and he goes and he's baptized and heaven rejoices and the spirit falls upon him and he walks into the temple and he reads the prophecy that heaven has known about from the beginning. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and every angel rejoices and, and is, oh yeah, it's about to go down now. Jesus Christ is about to go and do what he's been called to do. The plan that was written before the foundation of the world, oh, it's about to get good now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who have been oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Let me tell you something. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came upon the body of Jesus, upon the flesh of Jesus, his ministry began, his public ministry that would change the world began. I want you to know something. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, heaven rejoices with expectation. The angels are like, wow, it's about to get good now. All things are about to begin now. What you were born for, what you were destined for, what you were called for, you are going to change your world and it begins now because the power of the living God has come upon you. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Jesus begins walking out his ministry. He becomes public and begins doing miraculous things and, and preaching the gospel and teaching the kingdom of God. And, and we read about it through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we learn about it through the, the, the epistles and the apostles' uh, writings. And, and we go back to the Old Testament and we see the shadows and the prophecies of what Jesus would do and who he was and all of that. And we realize that the word of God is about Jesus. It's about Jesus Christ who came in the flesh so the world could see God, so the world could know God. And he had the power of the Holy Spirit to help him do that. Glory be to God. So what did Jesus do after that? Well, let's look at Acts 10, 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Let me tell you something. Those of you who have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, those of you who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, those of you who are walking in the power of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit is using your flesh to display God in your world, using your mouth, using your mind, using your emotions and your life, using your feet and hands. Those of you who, who have submitted your life and the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Watch this. God has anointed you with the Holy Spirit and with power. And what is the result of that? That you are going about doing good, healing those who've been oppressed by the devil because God is with you.
Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love, I love that the baptism in the Holy Spirit didn't result in a scripture that said Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and it just made him feel really good inside. And so he went back to his life of carpentry and he just kept to himself and he enjoyed the Holy Spirit and he spoke in tongues sometimes privately. Uh, and it was just God and him and that was all there was. No, I'm glad that the scripture says the result of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is that he went about doing good, looking for the devil so that he could destroy what he was trying to do in other people's lives. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Do you see this? Do you, are you catching why you and I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit? You've got Jesus in you. You've got God in you. You've got the Spirit in you, but he wants to come upon you to empower your flesh the same way he empowered Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit He's tempted by the devil immediately. He goes public with his ministry. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he begins to change the world. That's the story that God has for you. Now, you're not going to die on a cross for the rest of the world, but you are the body of Christ and there are elements of Christ's life that you're going to pattern yourself after. You're going to go about doing good. You're going to demonstrate the power of God. You're going to sacrifice certain aspects of your life for others. You're going to display the message of God and preach the kingdom of God with your words and the life that you live. You are the light of the world. Glory be to God. You and I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit because Jesus showed us that we do. He exampled that for us. Now, let me, let me go back to a couple of messages ago when we talked about conviction. Once again, People who are spiritually dead and aren't born again, they don't relate to spiritual things. They can't just sense the Spirit in them. Some of you who are Christians today, uh, you know, when the Spirit's moving in certain ways, you sense it. It's something in you that you know. But there are people in the world that ha that doesn't happen to them. They just, it's completely foreign to them without conviction. Now, people often think conviction means that, you know, a, a finger in your face, you're guilty, you did it. And, you know, that's an aspect of it. But conviction is really uh, the light coming on, like you being in the dark and guessing what's in the room. And then the Holy Spirit turning the light on and all of a sudden everything becomes clear. Part of what becomes clear is that, yeah, you screwed up. Yeah, you're guilty. And yeah, there's judgment coming. But another aspect of conviction is that God loves you and he's made a way for you to come to him. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So when I say conviction, I mean like people get spiritual things who never got spiritual things before. And some of you who sat through a sermon and, and God moved you and you felt it and you began to see some things clearly, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So if we live in a world where God loves people, but people are spiritually dead, he's got a plan to save them, but they can't see it. They can't hear it. They can't relate to anything spiritual. So he sends Jesus in the form of the flesh so they can look at him. They can see them. Now, conviction is an amazing thing. But conviction needs a spark. It's like gasoline. It needs a spark. And you and I are the spark of ignition for conviction. So let's watch this example in the life of Jesus Christ. This is so amazing. Uh, Peter's uh, conversion. How Simon, who is later changed, uh, his name is changed to Peter by Jesus, how he is 
converted, how he becomes born again. And, and, and let's start with, you remember how Peter and his fellow fishermen are out fishing and they haven't caught anything and they've caught all night and they come to the shore and Jesus is there and he tells them, go out into the deep and try it again. And Peter says, Lord, we've been doing this all night. We are professional fishermen. And I'm paraphrasing, right? This, this is probably going through his mind. We are professional fishermen. Here you are, some rabbi wandering through here. Uh, and you're going to tell us to go out one more time. And yet Peter does. He says, you know what, Lord? If you say so, one more time, we'll go out. So they go out and they cast their nets one more time. And what happens? After a night of catching absolutely nothing, they catch so many fish that their boats are beginning to sink. They're overflowing. They have to call help. Come, help us get all these fish because we're not going to be able to handle all of this. They get back to shore and immediately, the Bible says Peter falls on his knees before Jesus and he says this, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Do you recognize conviction in this moment here? If Jesus had not been there, there had not been a man to speak the word. There had not been a miracle to take place. There would not have been a physical ignition for Peter to come into conviction. Peter's in conviction. The light has come on. Notice what he says. He says, go away from me, Lord. He calls him Lord. He recognizes that there's something holy, something about Jesus that makes him superior, better than he is. His holiness, his righteousness, he may not be able to describe it exactly, but there's something about the holiness of Jesus that he immediately recognized. It didn't come to him because it was explained uh, doctrinally or theologically. No, the light came on and he recognizes the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus. He's in conviction. Not only that, he says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. In the same moment, he recognizes he has sin, that he's imperfect and that he's destined for bad things. He knows in this moment that God is holy and he is not. He's in the middle of conviction right here. And it's all sparked by the physical presence of Jesus, by the physical miracle. If Jesus had not physically been there, if there hadn't been a physical miracle take place that Peter could see, that a, a Simon Peter with a dead spirit, he could see. And when he saw the miracle, the Holy Spirit turned the light on and he began to see spiritually what he has never seen before. And now Peter, Jesus says to him, rise, Peter, for you are now going to fish for men with me. And I believe this is Peter's conversion. Peter becomes a Christian. He's born again. His spirit is brought to life forever. And Peter is completely changed. Oh, glory to God. From the inside, the Holy Spirit moves in. He's born again. His spirit is alive. He begins to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and do all these amazing things. But he's still weak until Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he is filled with the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden Peter has uh, boldness and knowledge and wisdom and heart and compassion and all the things that he needs to do what God wants him to do. Do you notice how Jesus in the story of Peter's life, how that Jesus is the physical spark that ignites conviction in the world? So what does that mean to you? I'm going to close with this. 
What it means is the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that He can use your life as an ignition source for conviction. The only way people come to God, the only way they relate to God or desire God at all is when conviction happens, when the light comes on and people spiritually come alive enough to know God and desire God and to recognize their need of God. But that doesn't happen unless there is a physical vessel that they can see. They need to see your life. They need to see you. You don't have to be perfect, but from time to time what they're going to see is the love of God being poured out through your words. The truth of God being poured out through your words. They're going to they're going to recognize the Holy Spirit and the divine nature of God at work in you when you love your neighbor and when you do good things and when you work hard and when you're honest when the world is dishonest and when you're loving when the world is hateful, when you're forgiving when everyone around is holding a grudge, when you accept everyone when in this day and, and age it's, it's common to just group yourself with a certain group and exclude everyone else from that group. And you're the one saying, no, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no male, there's no female, there's no difference in us. We are one and I love you. They're going to see that in you. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to go, boom, I've, I've got an ignition source and I'm going to turn the light of conviction on in their lives. Do you know how people come to God? They see an example of God being used, being, being, uh, being displayed through your life. And as God displays himself through your life, the Holy Spirit comes along with you and he turns the light on so they can know the truth and the truth can set them free. What, a, what an amazing thing. But you know what? You know yourself pretty well. You can't do this without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You need God, not just in you, but you need him upon you. You need God at work in these hands. You need God at work in this mouth. You need God at work in these ears. You need God at work in, in your physical body, in your mind, in your heart, in every aspect of your life. You need the Holy Spirit at work in you because without him, you are not enough. Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there until you be endued with power from on high. So Jesus ascends to heaven. He's no longer on earth. And the disciples go to Jerusalem and they're in the upper room and they're waiting, they're waiting, they're, obe they're obedient to Jesus. They're just waiting and all of a sudden the Spirit descends upon them uh, in a bodily form, tongues as of fire that you could see, glory to God. And he sat upon them and the Spirit of the living God came upon their flesh and everything changed. Do you know on the day of Pentecost, the celebration in heaven is like, whoa, here we go now. These people that have been weak in the flesh, denied Jesus, said stupid things, didn't understand what he was talking about. Oh, the Spirit is upon them now, and it's about to get good. These people are the ones who are going to turn the world upside down. Glory be to God. I want you to know today, the Holy Spirit is not about, uh, it's not really about you speaking in tongues or, or, or giving a prophetic message. Those are manifestations that can happen in your life and should happen in your life. But that's not the purpose. 
The purpose of the Holy Spirit is God's power at work in your flesh to display God's message, His presence, His reality, and love to a world who couldn't see Him without you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, use our bodies, use our minds, use our mouths, use our hands, use our feet to display the reality and the love of God, the hope of God, which is found in Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would fill your church with the Holy Spirit, that you would baptize us, immerse us completely in the Holy Spirit, that God would not just be in us, but he would come upon us with spiritual power, that we could do what you called us to do, that the, the person who was once weak in the flesh now is able in the flesh. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to your name, God. Oh, this is good stuff. Listen, if Jesus exampled it for you, he was baptized by immersion. He went under the water and came up out of the water, the scripture says, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form. And after he was, uh, after the Spirit came upon him, he was tempted by the devil and defeated temptation, resisted temptation, walked into the temple, opened up the scroll and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Oh, I want you to know the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Oh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me for purpose, for His purpose. Glory be to you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus.